what a tournament has been a real roller coaster of the month and we've been narrowed down to two teams in the final in tonight's podcast episode we'll be reading your twitter questions breaking down the euro 2020 final through score predictions tactical analysis and some overall build-up we are hours away from kickoff at Wembley Stadium between Italy and England, the home of English football. And there is so much to talk about. Get ready for an hour of stats, facts, debates, and bust up from me and the boys. Exciting stuff to come, and we're all thrilled for the drama to begin. It's pub time Euro. Let's get into it. Suddenly, Richard's flooding back. Chance for Cristiano Ronaldo! Southgate, the defender, it's been saved! And here's Gascoigne, brilliant play! Another opportunity, little deflection, carries it in again! Oh, it's unbelievable! Here comes Eddie, not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help! How about that? Through for Balotelli, he was onside when the ball was played! Can Balotelli get a double? He can! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pub Time Euro 2020 podcast, the show where we give you our football insights and analyses for the Euros 2020 tournament. Today, it's just me, Joshua, and Itai. Uh, unfortunately, Philip and Martin couldn't be joining us today, but we'll try and have them back in a post-tournament episode. If you don't know the group yet, we're a beginner podcast group who discuss the latest football updates. Uh, feel free to check out our previous Euro 2020 episodes on Spotify or Anchor. And also, please feel free to follow the podcast on Twitter at PubTimeFooty for the latest updates and notifications. Without further ado, I think we're all pretty familiar with the setup at this point. So let's jump straight into some of the Twitter questions that were sent in to us. So first of all, we have, why do you think there was a minimal amount of refereeing mistakes in the competition and is that related to a good use of VAR or maybe even the competency of the referees? Uh, what do we think here, Joshua? Well, I think the, the minimal mistakes really do come down to the fact that, you know, the referees chosen for this tournament are part of UEFA's elite squad. So, yeah, I think that the, the referees have been amazing so far. There have been one or two mistakes that they've made, you know, and we know which games those are, but um, overall, I think it's just that, you know, the referees are just on, a, they're just on another level in the tournament. And I think that's because UEFA knows that they can't dare to screw up. Um, but yeah, they've been amazing. I know a few referees have been absolutely on point. Bjorn Coopers, there's a, who's officiating the final, he's a very good referee. There was a German referee who, who officiated the, the semi-finals and such. So, um, but yeah, I think that the referees, like I said, they're part of UEFA's list of um, elite officiators. So I think that's what has to do. Also, the use of the VAR has been pretty good, I, I should say. I, for me, I like the fast decisions. And I think maybe some questionable was in the Denmark-England game with both the Denmark and the English penalty there. It was kind of soft in my opinion, but like, it wasn't absolutely horrible. And I think I think they've done a fine job and there hasn't, in general, been a massive wait for decisions, which 
for me, I think is very nice. Um, uh, what about you, Itai? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I agree with you. In, um, <clears throat> I reckon, I reckon the refereeing in this tournament has has been of a higher quality than than we'd see in the Premier League. However, yeah, perhaps perhaps some people will remember it not as fondly, given the events of England Denmark, which you know have have left some sort of stain on on um, the refereeing in general in this tournament. But but I I still I still definitely see an improvement compared to the Premier League, for sure. So I think the general consensus is there's been a clear improvement, and we're happy to see it and. I mean, I mean, I mean. Yes. However, if 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 that pen was given in the Premier League, the referee would get just as crucified. You know, people would 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 continue the the Premier League referee slanders. So I I think I think, you know, I I, I am still upset about that penalty being given. I I don't think it should have been at all. But, you know. But I just wanted to add on and say that with the England Denmark game. I think that the refereeing was rather flawed throughout the game because there were... I know that... I know I'm an England fan, so I might be a bit, a bit salty about this, but um, that free kick that Denmark were awarded, in my opinion, that's not a free kick. Um, you know, that was he was a bit harsh there. That's not a free kick to Denmark. Also, I know Kane should have had a penalty. I think he should have had a penalty in the 73rd. I believe it, he got tripped up by Poulsen right inside the, you know, on the edge of the box or like the edge of the inside of the box. Um, the pen, I mean, it was, I think the pen was very one of those decisions where it's like you could see it from either way. But um, I don't, I, I, people have been saying that Denmark were robbed and that the referee was paid off. But if I'm being honest, I think that, I don't think that Denmark were robbed. I just think that. You know, the referee was poor in general. But, you know, England did dominate, so you can't say they were robbed. Also, it's like the refereeing, the lack of quality officiating went both ways. Like, it wasn't just directed at Denmark. I mean, I think England might have gotten off a bit lucky, but I think they also kind of deserved to win. So I don't think... I mean, they'd been dominating and maybe were, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be played out that way. But, you know... There's, there could have been worse decisions, and I've definitely seen worse penalties. So yeah. I think it's it's fine for me. More of a discussion about maybe the rules are like what they're doing with you know the placement of the games. I'm not a fan of the final being played where one team clearly has a home advantage. I don't actually. Not... Is that is that like um? Does that come down to UEFA or something like? Because I th I think that this was set before the actual tournament that Wembley would be the, the final venue. Possibly I I'm not to be honest I'm not sure. I mean I um, suppose just... it's just one of the flaws with this sort of setup for the tournament. If you're going to host a tournament that's like you know taking place all around Europe, then you know evidently you're going to stand a chance of a, of one home team having an advantage as we can see right now. Definitely, but England have only played one game away from home. Yeah, that's a bit. That's interesting, I have to say. That is interesting. To be to be fair, though, I, I, I actually, contrary to other people, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not taking, I'm not taking that too seriously. Given any other major tournament has been played in one country, 
so even more of the home advantage, right? Say, say the tournament was just in England, you know, maybe there'd be games London, Manchester, Liverpool, and so on and so forth. And But just England would play all their games at home. You know, that's how it was for France, for example, last last year. So I, I don't think it's it's too much. But I guess maybe, you know, it's a combination of things because people, people perhaps try and connect the fact that they're playing at home to, you know, referees being biased towards them, stuff, stuff like that. All right. Now let's move on to the second question. Why referees don't check VAR at a crucial moment or matches before giving decision? I'm not really sure what this... The grammar seems to have... Yeah, the grammar seems to have gotten the... You know... But... I think it says... I think the question is, why don't referees check VAR at crucial moments? All right, yeah, yeah. Why they don't check VAR before giving the decision. Um, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I don't have much an opinion or thoughts on this one. I haven't really thought about it too much, to be completely honest. Uh, what about you guys? What's your view on it? I mean, nothing in particular. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, nothing, nothing much to add. I mean, referees could, you know, could go to the monitor, but that's perhaps part of the complaint in the Premier League. You know, VAR check is upwards of two minutes easily. So perhaps, you know, the referee, the referees trusting um, the people in the VAR room is, is maybe a good thing. I mean, I think that yeah. it it also you have to realise that the VAR monitor is just a tool to help referees, but in the end, you know, the referee can make whatever decision he likes. Do you know what I mean? So I think that in some in some cases the referee might be so confident of his decision, like he might be thinking to himself, this is a blatant penalty, I don't need to check the monitor, I'm going to roll with it, do you know what I mean? So it it does come yeah. down to that sometimes, and I think that's what happened with the, the Sterling penalty even. I know I'm repeating this quite a lot, but it is quite a prime example where the referee was rather confident in his choice, and he didn't feel he needed to use the VAR monitor, he feels like... He just needed to have the approval of the panel. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then to our third question. What tactics do we expect from Gareth Southgate versus Italy in the final? I'm going to go ahead and ask you Itai first, and then Josh and I will give our opinions later. I uh, I believe England will play just as they have throughout this whole tournament, in in the sense that they they've played relatively conservatively against. For, I think we can best look at, at how they played against Germany, or even Denmark. You know, Denmark perhaps is more similar to Italy. They play relatively conservatively, and and in a in a in a given formation, it's often often going to be three at the back, perhaps four. Um, um. um I'm gonna assume four, given how they played against Denmark. Just, just nothing, nothing too special from Southgate. I, I don't, perhaps agree with all the credit he's been getting. I do, I do rate him, you know, more than others did pre-tournament. But, but I think he's just played good tournament football, if you know what I mean. It's just, it's just enough to win games. Nothing remarkable from from England, as opposed to Italy, who you know we'll get, we'll get to them soon. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. To be honest, England have played this sort of 4-2-3, one 
formation of 4-3-3, depending sort of on how you want to interpret Mount's role. But I think if I was Southgate, I'd go back to the five at the back to sort of cancel out the uh, the Mesler, right, the half-wingers of Italy, because uh, they can get five sort of two of their midfielders sort of transition into attack, whether that's Brea or Locatelli or uh, Baratti. Uh, Jorginho, we know, is going to stay back, be sort of that defensive midfielder. But the other two, they're going to go forward. And then maybe you don't want to be, say, outnumbered uh, five, five to four at the back. But on the other hand, England do have Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips who maybe can counteract whatever Berea and Bratti or Locatelli, if he plays, whatever they sort of choose to do. So I think both, either five or four at the back could work. I might, if I had been Southgate, I would have gone probably five at the back because then I can sort of attack over the wings maybe even easier, which is something that England likes to do. They don't play that much through the middle. So maybe that's what I would have done. But I think Southgate's he's made some pretty interesting decisions. And now I have to admit, I wasn't a big fan of Sterling starting in the first game. And that proved vital, really, to get England out of the group stage. And I was wrong about that. And I might very well be wrong about this, too. Um, so I think we'll just have to wait and see, in my opinion. Uh, what about you, Joshua? How do you think Southgate's going to prepare for this game? It's difficult to call because he could go five at the back. He could go four at the back. I think personally, if I was in the shoes of Garrett Southgate, that maybe a four at the back would be more reasonable because, you know, I don't. If if I'm in a final, I don't necessarily want to be playing five defenders and hoping that they can propose some sort of attacking threat. I would rather have a balanced, you know, a balanced back four that, you know, they can still get in there and still provide crosses and move up and down the flanks. But I'd also like to utilise those wingers and those central midfielders as well as well as the, the number nine. So it is hard to say what Garrett Southgate will do. Personally, I, I regardless of what happens, I do have, have faith in him. I have trust in Garrett Southgate, as I've always done. So, I mean, it, you know, his, his tactics could work both ways, honestly. We doubted the five at the back, but we, you know, it did work out. We've doubted the four at the back, and it did work out. We've doubted who he's, you know, put in the starting 11 for a bit. But, you know, it seemed to work out. So, it's hard to say. But I think regardless, I think he'll get the job done because I have, and I have enough uh, trust in him. And I, I believe he will get the job done. So, I think you have a lot of you have a lot of confidence in Southgate. In other words, yeah, I've been backing him since the start of the tournament. I know, like, he's gotten quite a lot of stick, but the football he plays, you know, when he gets it right, is rather amazing. You have to admit. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Itai? Uh, what would you do? You think? We're going to be going back and talking about this more, but do you have confidence in Southgate to pick the best possible lineup for this England squad in this final? 
Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I do. I mean, perhaps just a few a few minutes ago, I said I I wasn't, you know, utter, as as impressed by Southgate as others tactically. However, I think he's he's got it spot on pretty much every game in terms of the lineup and the formation. So yeah, I I think he has everything it takes to pick pick the right team, especially against you know it's such fine margins against a very tough Italy squad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment from both of you. So let's move on to our final question. And again, it's about England, probably because we're uh, speaking English on here. Wish we wish I'd know a bit of Italian. Uh, it would be really nice that we could answer some Italian questions. But unfortunately, we don't. So here's the final question. Sancho or Saka to start at right wing? What do you think, Joshua? I think that... Well, personally, I think that Saka would be a brilliant asset. And I think that regardless of whether you bench him or start him, he has to be involved. Personally, from what I've seen so far from him, I think it's the I think it's a better idea to start Saka. You know, we've seen Sancho be amazing against Ukraine. But, you know, his quality really shows when he, once the game progresses on and on. While as with Saka... He can make, you know, he can, he can make such an impact within the first, you know, 45 minutes on its own. So I think that's what betters him from, San, from Sancho. And that's why I'd rather have Saka. I mean, we saw how he was driving in that Czech Republic game. He was driving at Germany in that Germany game. And then, you know, of course, he got the assist against Denmark. You know, he was dribbling and he was... He got the cross. So I think that Saka would be the better choice because I think he'll make a better impact early on than Sancho. You think he'll make a better impact? That's a fair point. Uh, what about you, Itai? What's your view on who should start for right wing? I, I, I disagree. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my, my, my long answer made short. Um, Saka will start. Sancho should start. That's my opinion. I think I rate I rate Sancho much, much. I, I rate him more. I think I think he's he's a better player. He's more useful for that England attack. Given this English squad plays conservatively with players, you know, such as Phillips and Rice in the midfield, they need that creative spark, which I think Saka has, but but Sancho has more of. I think they would really benefit from playing him, but that doesn't change the fact that I believe Saka will start. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's had. Southgate, he's just sort of decided to ignore the Bundesliga players, Dortmund players anyway, this tournament a bit from what we've seen. But did, did you see that um, the second, the day uh, Saka, uh, Sancho signed for Manchester United, that was the first time he got a minute in this tournament? Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's actually very interesting. I mean, you at the same time, you can't really blame Gareth because the, the, the sheer squad depth in that England squad, you know, there are so many players in so many positions, in some senses, they are sort of overloaded. So, obviously, you want to play the best squad, but at the same time, you also kind of want everyone to some get to get some sort of involvement. So, I think he's been doing a pretty good job so far. I think, again, like, like I said, personally, I think Saka would be the better choice. Maybe if you, you know... Try him for 45 minutes, see what he can do. 
if he's not that as if he's not as effective as you'd hoped he'd be, then maybe you could sub him out at like the sixtieth. Because we've seen that happen for you know with Saka, he has been subbed out for you know like Grealish as well, or maybe even Sancho. But it's very dependent on how the game flows. But personally, I think Saka is the better choice. You think Saka's the better choice, Itai? You think Sancho? Um, what do you think? In some ways, I'd probably go Saka because he's played more. He's had that time to sort of develop a working, working partnership with the players around him. On the other hand, I don't know how tired the players in that England team are. We have to remember that not so lo- earlier this week, Wednesday, uh, this that's what, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's four days ago, they played 120 minutes of football. Now Saka was subbed off recent, like decently early, but some players I think could be pretty tired. And I think Southgate needs, is, he's definitely going to need his subs this game. He's definitely going to be able have or be forced to sub some players out because they're going to be tired. Uh, the likes of, for example, Raheem Sterling, who played 120 minutes on Wednesday. And there, you're sort of in a position where you might want your right winger to play the full 90 or 120, if that's what it comes to. And then I'm not quite as sure Saka's your guy. If you, if you know what I mean, I'm not sure he's your guy for the full 120 minutes, whereas Sancho who's gotten a lot of rest and should be as fit as possible, really, might be in a better physical condition to play without play that full, the full time. Maybe I'm overanalyzing the minutes here. Maybe they're all fresh. Saka's a young player, so I hope he should be maybe fine to sort of... I, I don't know, to be honest. It's a tough one to call, um, I think. Or what do you think? Does my logic make any sense there with the minutes, or is it just? I mean, you are right. Jumble. You know, team dynamic is dependent on how long you play with each other. So yeah. I mean, I also believe you know it's a final. Um, they'll, they'll play whoever's right. Even you know if he comes out of the game dead in terms of you know can't cannot play another single minute for another month. I mean that's fine. You know, he now has rest. But Southgate will play whoever whoever. Defense. I don't think minutes really is. is He's going to have to much. utilize the subs. He. I mean, I think that we have to agree. Yes, that. It, it really depends. You know, I think. I think. Have you know? Have you all noticed? Extra time has been uh, quite a common theme this Euro. I think it. If if the game goes to extra time, it could be brutal for uh, for the English and Italian players for that matter, in terms of rest and minutes. Yeah. If we noticed in that Denmark game, Southgate only made one sub in the 90 minutes. And then he made the subs, you know, the, the remaining four subs in extra time. He's going to have to, in my opinion, if he wants to win this game, he'll need the fresh legs for the full 90. If he's looking to wrap up the game in the 90, he's going to need the fresh legs. So I think he'll have to use at least three subs. And I think one of those could be on Saka or Sancho. One of them could be on that right wing. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one to call. There's good, there's good arguments for both. Um, I think Phil phones out with the injury, so that makes it slightly easier. Uh, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen it from that many 
reliable sources, but I haven't really checked it recently either. I'm just checking it now. Uh, yeah, I think... He's a doubt. Yeah. He's a doubt for the game, yeah. He's a doubt for the game, and he's probably not going to start then. So it's between Sack and Sancho, and I think I'm going to agree with E-Type. I think Southgate's going to choose Saka. Right choice might be Sancho, in my opinion. But at the same time, Saka's had more time with the with the squad, and as we've seen, I was wrong with Sterling. I wasn't a fan of that. Turned out brilliantly. So, but two brilliant players. But I think that sums up more or less our uh, question answering uh, section of this episode. So let's move on to a bit of a chat about the game. Um, well, obviously, the game is tonight. There's massive anticipation across much of Europe and it could go either way and if England managed to win this it would be massive Italy same thing really remarkable how both of these teams have gotten from where they have been in recent times to in this final and really how, how do we think what are the chances and where do we think the main my question is going to be where is the main battle on the pitch what position is going to decide who wins who wins this game uh i'm going to start with you joshua i think that in my opinion it's going to be possession it has to be about possession because you know with italy you know their goals come about with good possession and the same works with England as well. And I think that the battle will be in the midfield particularly because the midfielders of both teams are so, so strong. You know, Italy, you've got Barea, you've got Verratti, you've got Chiesa, who's been fantastic. It's, it's really hard to tell. And then on England's side, you have so many, you have so many midfielders as well. You've got Declan Norris, you've got Jack Grealish, you've got Phillips, you've got Mount, you've got Saka. You know, so I think it has to do with who's going to keep possession more and who's going to go for those chances. Who's going to be really driving up the pitch, if you know what I mean? Yeah, who's going to be driving up the pitch. I'm going to have to agree, I think. At the same time, I think counters could play a big part in the game. Especially, like... I think Italy will be better at playing it through the middle, probably, unless Rice and Phillips, they're brilliant players. They managed to stop almost all other playing through the middle. So I really don't know. I think England's going to try and attack over the wings. And I think, for me, the big question is how well Italy deal with that. I think Italy will probably manage to find a pocket of space somewhere get a shot get a shot off and maybe score a goal there. Whereas England might be to some degree more predictable in attack. They like going over the wings. That's sort of how they progress the ball most of the time. Not to interrupt you, but, it, you know, if we look at Italy, mo- their goals have come about with, you know, them taking loads of shots. Yeah. And I think that's what they'll probably have to stick to against England. 
they're probably going to take shots and shots and shots, maybe some outside the box and maybe some inside the box. Uh, yeah. While as England, you know, they try and more, I don't know if you want to call it a walk the ball in, but they try and get, you know, crosses inside the 18-yard box and then sort of tap-ins or headers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the difference between the both of them. So it depends on how that back four of England cope with, you know, them coming under fire from Italy with the shots and also how Italy's back four or back three or whatever are going to cope with those crosses coming in from the flanks. And, you know, like, you know, Harry Kane or Raheem Sterling being in the middle waiting for a tap-in or a header. What about you, Ito? How do you think it's going to be playing out? Nothing much to add. I'd like to just, you know, put put some sort of note to, to the individual battles that will be played today. Most notably for me, um, Federico Chiesa against. Well, I assume he 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 deploys on the right, so that would that would mean he's 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 going up against Luke Shaw. You know, if, if you look at how the pitch works, and I think that could be a key battle. Or also Insigne against Kyle Walker. Given Italy, you know, solid, of course, you know, everyone knows solid in defense, incredible in the field. But I think their attack may be slightly lacking, at least in, in, in comparison to England's. So I think if Italy can, if, if Italy can get a goal, um, in the 90 minutes at least, I think, I think they should be able to win. Because I, I, I can easily see them, them keeping a clean sheet. One battle that I think is pretty important as well as that of Mount slash Grealish, whoever starts most likely going to be Mount, but we don't know. Um, Mount versus Jorginho. I think if Mount manages to, you know, Mount, he's such an intelligent player. He's a joy to watch. And I don't know how well Jorginho, like if Jorginho just watches him, Matt will just go somewhere really impractical and bring in Italy player, and then the whole that whole just middle area will just open up. But if Jorginho sort of stays to his position, then Mount will just go around and cause overloads all over the place. And I don't really know. I think if Italy managed to contain Mount, then I don't know. I have a hard time seeing England score score a lot to be honest i think mount or greedish for that matter but mainly mount in 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 this way of reasoning mount versus Jorginho, that could be a really interesting battle to see i think another or, interesting battle would be greelish versus that left hand side sorry that right hand side of italy sorry because we've seen greelish and let's be honest he loves playing on the left and you know the way he plays on the left, he almost teases uh, Italian right backs and you know right centre backs. And if you have seen the gameplay of Grealish, whenever he's on that left, and whenever he's teasing them outside the box, or you know he's playing it careful, you know what I mean by teasing the ball. You know you're sort of you're playing you're playing it slow near to your foot. If you look at if you look at the gameplay, almost most of the times. Whenever he's on that left-hand side, defenders flood to try and cover him. And that just opens up so much space on the other, on the other side. You know what I mean? So I think how Italy... Yeah. You know, in order to cope with that, you're going to have to know your position. 
you're gonna have to know how to be flexible and how to how to rotate to different parts of the pitch. And I think that if they give Grealish too much space and if they fall for that trap, then I think the right-hand side of England could punish them. Yeah, that that's a very strong possibility. Um, it's a really tough one to call. I'm going to say, I'm just going to go straight out because I think we've had a decent chat about the strategies, about where the battles will be played. What do we think the final score is going to be? I'll start off with you, Ita. I'm going to go 1-1 after 90 minutes. Italy on penalties. In penalties. Yeah. yeah Italy so- on penalties. Oh, my God. Joshua, you're going to... Uh, do you want to wear one of those, you know... Uh, Heart monitor things that tell us if you have a heart <laughs> if you have a heart attack. There would be no point. I'm going to cardiac arrest by the time of the penalty shootout. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, no offense, yeah. but Jordan Henderson stepping over a penalty. How am I not going to get nerves over that? You know, I'm getting yeah. twenty. I'm getting twenty eighteen flashbacks. Also, we've seen you know Kane. He missed the penalty but scored on the rebound. I don't know how this is going to work if it goes to penalties. I would be, like seriously, I wouldn't even be alive. I'd go into some sort of cardiac arrest. But um, that's, some sort yeah. of cardiac arrest. That's if it goes to penalties. But at the same time, England could win on penalties. Italy could win on penalties. It's a fifty-fifty. Let's be honest. But um, in terms of predictions, I have no idea, mate. I really have no idea. At the end of it, I should hope. And I'm praying that England somehow win. I'm being optimistic here that England will win. But it, I think it's going to be such a cagey game. I think it's going to be really tight. I, it, You know, extra time is a very likely possibility. And, you know, at that point in extra time, it's going to be like, do they really want to go for it or do they want to settle for pens? So I should... I will say 1-0 England... If we're talking about the game ending in 90 minutes, that is my prediction for 90 minutes. 1-0 England, and then, you know, they're going to have to sit back and defend and take and take havoc from Italy. But if it goes to extra time, you know, I think it'll have to be one of those 1-1 games, and then it could go anyway. It could. I think if it goes to extra time, one of the teams will, will score a goal in extra time to make it 2-1. But yeah. Okay, so you, you're basically saying you think if it ends at 90, England's going to win. You don't, but if it goes to extra time, you don't think it's going to go to pens. I I right? Yeah, I don't think that any of the teams will want to go for penalties, do you know what I mean? Penalties is something like... Itai, do you want to agree with me? I don't know if you want to agree with me here, but penalties are genuinely something that you really can't practice for there is like it's basically luck it is 50 50 you know in some ways yes in other ways no i mean some players are better than other players at taking penalties on the other hand not luck not luck as in i would back you know um a five a five penalty a five man penalty team of you know ronaldo harry kane Lewy, uh, the rest, etc. You know, etc. 
because uh, com- compared to a five-man team of, of Morata and so on and so forth, I, I think there is skill involved. However, maybe uh, uh, on each team, I reckon there's you know one, two, maybe three exceptional penalty takers. Could could you know Henderson miss one and I don't know Mount who is perhaps inexperienced miss one? Sure, and then and then they lose. That that's not it's not because England is a worse team than Italy. So I agree. I agree. You know, losing on pens. Wow, it is. Yeah, I don't think anyone would want to take it to pens. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one would want to be like, you know what, lads, let's just take it to pens. Let's just risk it at this point. Do you know what I mean? I don't think anyone would want to do that. If it goes to pens, it's going to be dependent on the day Pickford's having. And Donnarumma. I mean, Donnarumma's so consistent, though. Pickford makes these, you know. You know? He's a brilliant goalkeeper. And then all of a sudden, you just see him make this absolutely horrible mistake with it, you know. That is true, yeah. But I don't, I don't agree. I think goalkeepers are actually a relatively minuscule part in penalties. I think it's all about the penalty. A perfect penalty, you know, a perfect penalty, no matter what, no matter if it's Prime, Neuer, Casillas, Buffon, Yashin, whoever, a perfect penalty cannot be saved, in my opinion. A, a terrible penalty, you know, should be saved by any keeper. So I think... I think I think it's about the shooters, a hundred percent, genuinely. I, I don't think for for example, um, what was it? Unai Simon against against Switzerland saved three penalties, but no one re- remembers anything truly exceptional, because they were all terrible penalties, that definitely you know should have been saved, and the ones that went in were not his fault. It was just it was you know, I think I think if if you actually look at a, at a football at a, at a proper sized football goal, it is so huge. You know, it, it's it, yeah. The keeper, the keeper is is it has nothing to do but pray. Honestly, he's got a point there though because if you think about it, you're meant to sc- a penalty. It's what like how many yards away from it? How are you, how many yards is the spot kick away from the actual goal? Like the goal 12. is yeah twelve. 12 I think so, and then the goal is a proper eleven aside goal. Like, ideally, I think penalties, you should be scoring them. You know what? That's the thing. I think a miss is just, you have to really screw up. But I think for the most part, like you said, it, it does come down to penalty takers. But um, one but of the... the goalkeeper matters as well. I know you're not going to like this because I'm going to mention Watford, but oh, I watch days. Watford the most. And at Watford, we have two keepers. We have Ben Foster and then we have Daniel Backman. Backman is significantly better at penalties. His placement is not good. But when you get... He has almost a 50% chance, statistically, of saving a penalty. Foster, I haven't seen him save a single one. I mean... Or maybe he has. I think I remember one or two. But basically, my point is the goalkeeper matters as well. And maybe it is that Backman's been getting easier penalties... But at the same time, he's also better at saving them. Foster's is a better at placement, whereas Backman has faster reflexes. He also can sort of read the shot better. And I think while the penalty takers, like Backman, he will not save a Bruno Fernandes penalty. A brilliant penalty, like you said, cannot be saved. But the mediocre ones can. And when there's so much pressure... Of those five penalties, maybe one, maybe two are going to be really good. But when there's that much pressure, 
someone's bound to make a bad or a mediocre penalty, and then it's going to be up to the goalkeeper to save that if it goes to penalties. You're kind of right there, but at the same time, you know, when you if you're a player and you're placing the ball on the spot kick, right? You know, for you, the psychology of it under so much pressure, the goal goes from like what two three like two meters in width, it just narrows down completely. But and I think that's what you know causes bad pens. But at the same time, if we look at it. A goalkeeper's job during penalties, okay, look at this, top left, uh, top right, bottom left, bottom right. If, you're, if you can like, get it into one of those corners, and I mean like a proper pen, you're good. But anywhere in the middle is where you stand a risk. That's the goalkeeper's job during a penalty. Make sure that if someone slips up and shoots it down the middle, you can, you can save it. Do you know what I mean? Jan Sommer. Uh, Unai Simone, you know, yeah. they've saved pens by, you know, Locatelli, for example, he took that pen, that first pen for Italy. It was a poor pen. He pretty much, like, there was no psychology to it. He basically struck it bottom left, and it was pretty, it, was, it wasn't exactly, you know, bottom corner type things. It was a bit central, and that's why Unai Simone could save it. Mbappe, for example, versus Jan Sommer. He hit it and it was very central. That's why Jan Sommer saved it. But if we look at like a Kane penalty versus Panama, for example, he's hitting those top bins. No goalkeeper's going to save that. Not even prime Ike Casillas is saving that. So I think the goalkeeper, his job is really to... He has to solidify that middle space. And if we look at England on penalties, they've always gone out. Whenever they miss a penalty... It's because it's just a poor penalty in general. They they hit it down the middle, you know. I mean, Stuart Pearce kicked it right in the middle. Goalkeeper saved it. You know, Paul Ince, he struck it, you know, right centre, you know, sort of centre-ish, right-ish. Goalkeeper saved it. Chris Waddle well, smashed that over, but, you know. Most of it, I think that's... I think it has to do with placement and... As a goalkeeper, your job is just to make sure you can save what's saveable, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. But I'm going to... Let's move on from the penalty debate because yeah, well, penalties <laughs> are notoriously known for being impossible to predict. Yeah. But so I don't, I don't if think it goes any... to penalties, we'll just have a listen to this again. And, you know, we'll... What's probably going to happen is that somehow all three of us have managed to be wrong. Let's be honest, we're all going to be wrong. But I'm I mean, ahead sorry, but like... Say my prediction. Yeah. Or you, you can go whatever you were trying to say first, sorry. I, I just want to say that I don't think that they'll want to take it to pens. That's just a general note I want to leave. I don't think that any of them will want to take it to pens. No team wants to take it to pens in a final. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting and ranting on about penalties. I'm sorry. No, but you, you have a point. It's all, it depends a bit on how the game's being played. If one team is clearly dominating, then the other might want to try and take it to pens. Yeah, that's from a the good start point. of the game, both are definitely going to try and win it in the ninety. But if we're predicting and, a KG game, then I don't think anyone would want to take it to pens. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's I'm your prediction? Go ahead with my prediction. Yes. And what's your prediction? It's two 0 England, and I don't like it because 
what's speaking for Italy is that a at the start of the tournament I said they'd win it, and I like when I'm right, and therefore I like to usually stick to my initial theory of you know I thought they'd win then, therefore I should probably think they will will win now because you know and that's the logic I had at the start of the tournament, but on the other hand. England are at home and on paper they have the better squad. Now, the one thing that I could see that I could see happening is that England don't have practice against good competition. I mean, England England had an easy group. Let's be honest, England had an easy group. Also, Ukraine was very easy. Now, you can reason that the Germany and the Denmark game were more difficult. And yes, they were more difficult. But on paper, they don't have that. Germany, we know, have struggled. Germany have struggled, and that's that's a fact, to be honest. Denmark, Denmark just aren't one of the big teams. I mean, they did brilliantly. They had a lot of energy. There's a lot of quality. But you don't really compare them with those really good teams, do you? You don't. They're not a Belgium. They're not a France. Italy, on the other hand, Italy have had much harder games. They've they've gotten past both Spain and Belgium, and I think maybe England will be lacking in that ability to handle quality. That that's the only way I see. Italy are going to win because I think England fans will be loud. They will, you know, I don't know what they'll do, but they'll come up with something that will make me annoyed and rant on the group chat. Like when they, you know, lasers in Schmeichel's eyes last time. And it's going to be something this time. But they're also going to create a lot of noise. They're going to be really supportive for their team because football just matters so much for them. And I think maybe maybe that will be in a year when we haven't had any fans, it would be kind of kind of nice to see, you know, the fans making such a big difference in the final. And I think we've almost counted out the fans in some way. And you I know, think... I you're hundred percent right. I have to agree with you on this. Sorry for interrupting, but um yeah, you're hundred percent right. There are obviously stupid fans that do disgraceful things like the laser and Casper Michael's eyes. That is awful. It is stupid. It's idiotic. Uh, booing the national anthems is something that all fans seem to do, but I don't like it. I don't find it respectful. But in terms of English fans at Wembley, I mean, if you're down by, I don't know, 1-0, 2-0, and you still have a chance to win that game, and if you, let's just imagine the ball goes out for a corner. If you you know, you if you're Harry Kane and you're lining up for that corner and you just hear every England fan in that stadium chanting your name and chanting bring it home. I mean, I don't know, you're not human if that doesn't get to you. And I think that's what's gonna put the edge for England in some ways as well. They're gonna want to do it for the country. They're wanna gonna do it. They're gonna want to do it for the fans. It's been fifty-five years. They've gone for fifty-five years of hurt, and I think every English player 
is going to have to give their heart and soul in order to win this game. And I think the fans is going to push that for them. And I, I don't think that, as much as Italy do have amazing fans, you know, they've not gone through the hardships that England have gone through as a footballing country. They haven't been cheated out of the World Cup. They haven't, you know, lost on penalties to Germany twice. And, you know, they haven't been sent home. For, you know, they reached the final in 2012. England haven't reached the Euro final ever. So I think the fans will 100% make the difference. Yeah. Uh, I think... Itai, do you have any last words to say? Otherwise, I think this might be a pretty nice place to round this episode up. Nothing really, just that it's coming to Rome. Yep. It's coming to Rome. It's coming oh, home. It's, coming, it's home. coming home. Football's coming oh, home. It's coming home. No, I'm kidding. I mean, you, oh, yeah, you sure you are. <laughs> um, yeah. oh. no, but let's wrap that up there. I think it's been a lovely episode. We also want to get this out. Not cause too much editing for you, Josh, so we can get this out before, uh, ideally, a few hours before kickoff. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our episode for today. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks with some FPL content pre-season. We have a post-match, step- we have a post-tournament oh. episode, actually. I'm done. <laughs> and on that bombshell, it's time to end. Thank you all, guys, so much for tuning in, and good night. <laughs>